Hello, I'm Chance Leopold with Leopold Cattle Company, West Columbia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today loaded up and ready to roll for you. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Fed cattle prices have slumped recently, but the Texas Cattle Feeders Association anticipates a rebound in the not-too-distant future. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. More today on rural land appraisals as they apply to estate planning and third-party effect on properties. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my report on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas sees its coolest temperatures of the season. And water issues with Mexico, those are being discussed. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It won't be long until USDA releases the next set of beef cow inventory numbers. Those 2024 numbers will likely be lower than we saw in January of this year. Daryl Peel, livestock marketing economist with Oklahoma State University, says that herd number will continue to be lower. I think it will. You know, the indications even coming into 2023 was that we would likely see some additional herd liquidation. As we've gone through the year and monitored heifer slaughter and cow slaughter through the year, I've actually sort of raised my forecast of how much we will drop on January 1. I think we'll see at least a 2% decrease in the beef cow herd going into 2024. In fact, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's more like 2.5%. And that's going to be a very small number. I mean, this year's number was the smallest since the early 60s. This will take it down even a little bit lower than that. Peel says the numbers are down around lows the U.S. hasn't seen in decades. A long, long time, exactly, since we've had a cow herd this small. And the thing is, we have not been saving any heifers. We didn't bring a very big pool of replacement heifers into this year. I think it's going to be as tight or even tighter going into 2024. So we're starting with a very low base, which means it's going to take a long time to rebuild this thing once we decide to try to rebuild it. And we're not doing that yet. But a large number of U.S. beef producers may need to recover financially before they begin to rebuild their herds. A lot of producers are just financially challenged right now. We've been in a lot of drought. We've had high input costs, high feed costs the last couple of years. And so uh, they really need in the short run, the first priority is to kind of heal up a little bit, take advantage of this market before they think about what comes after that. That's Daryl Peel with Oklahoma State University. Two years of drought and poor cotton prices may help boost sorghum acres in Texas this year. That's according to Tim Lust with National Sorghum Producers in Lubbock. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're we're seeing those. You know, there's in Texas, there's going to be that strong rotation no matter what, and uh, so we'll continue to see rotations, but probably some tweaks in those rotations with a little bit more sorghum acres uh, going into many of those farms, and uh, so. You know, we, we've been in this business a long time. Obviously, the same growers that, that grow cotton and grow sorghum. And uh, uh, through we go through these commodity cycles and ups and downs. And it's, it's good to have those rotations and good to have the options. And this is one of the years where sorghum looks a little bit brighter. And so uh, we'll, we'll take that and uh, continue to work uh, to increase those markets and, and keep prices up where we can. Lust says a big demand for forage from the dairies in the Texas panhandle is increasing forage sorghum acreage as well. Fed cattle prices have slumped recently, but James Hunt tells us we should see a rebound in the near future. As we talked about yesterday, the cash price for fed cattle has tumbled recently to the $1.68 per pound level, about 18 cents below where prices had risen to about two months ago. That's a pretty steep fall off. Brady Miller of TCFA, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, believes the price slump is essentially a market correction triggered by the fact that the number of cattle in feed yards has continued to go up longer than many analysts had anticipated. But Miller does not believe that the market has topped out. The way he sees it, ranchers will eventually get to the point where they determine it's time to rebuild their herds, the inflow of heifers into feed yards will go down, and fed cattle prices will again rise. And I don't want to jinx this by me saying that, but I think we're kind of maybe worked on a bottom here in the 160 range, upper 160. But I think the high end, as we go through the next 12 months, I think we'll be in the 190s somewhere, mid-190s maybe. So that would be 24 going into 25. I'm still going to sit here and tell you that we're going to see prices creep up even a little higher than that. So overall, it's a good time to be a cattle feeder, even though we're in a little bit of a lull here. But as I've always said, the future looks bright and we'll work through these little valleys and dips and troughs or whatever you want to call them and we'll work out them on the other side and come out stronger because of it. So I'm going to sit here and tell you 2024, I think, will end up looking okay at the end of 2024. We'll look back at it and go, hmm, that was interesting, but it was okay and it was good. That's Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It can be helpful to have a current appraisal of your land. Tom Nicoletti tells why. The importance of rural land appraisals is the subject again on today's program. Tyler Jacobs, who serves as broker partner with Hall & Hall Land Company, talks about the estate planning aspect of these appraisals. Sometimes these appraisals are for future planning and how probate and all these things will work in the future or even to minimize inheritance taxes going forward. And sometimes after a property has been inherited, a value has to be established for stepped-up basis. And so a lot of the appraisal work is done there as well. Then there's also the third-party effect on the property in question uh, for sale and what uh, needs to be done from an appraisal standpoint. This is almost limitless, but just some big-picture situations. So you have a conservation easement that you're contemplating on your property, or a road is potentially condemned through your property, or a pipeline is through your property. So anything like that is is always going to involve valuation, 
appraiser might be helpful there. There's there's litigation. There is uh, trust management of properties that some larger ranches and and estates have. And then there's ad valorem tax dispute that are engaged to help your hiring an appraiser to engage with that process. And then one of the uglier ones that really takes a high level of credentials is when you're talking about capital gains and income tax disputes. That is Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall Land Company in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas has seen its coolest temperatures of the season. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The latest cool weather has moved through extreme South Texas, bringing the coolest temperatures of the year. Temperatures dipping into the upper 30s in the ranch country, generally the mid-40s elsewhere. The front has come in dry, and moisture is needed to help break the current drought conditions. Dryland areas near the coast have seen, well, the most rain across the area, and much of the area is moving into a lesser state of drought. A recent meeting of water users has been held due to a study to need to get Mexico current with their water debt and the U.S. share of water. Well, this has been an ongoing problem with Mexico for years, and one solution that's being discussed is letting Mexico keep water if they keep water current. Now, under this 1944 water treaty with Mexico, specific amounts of water are required to be sent to the U.S., Now, the water treaty also covers waters that draw down the Colorado River into Mexico. In the past, Mexico has waited until the last few minutes of their five-year water cycle to repay the water debt. Mexican growers fight the Mexican government all the time to keep all the water they can, and even violence has happened before. With spring planting around the corner, let's hope that the amounts will be adequate for everyone, municipal and agriculture. For Farm Bureau Roundup, this is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. What is the future of CWD management? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are some new options for preventing and treating laminitis in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some new options for preventing and treating laminitis in horses. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at those options. 
And I talk about laminitis a lot on this program because it is such a devastating disease and difficult to treat. The most common factor leading to laminitis in horses is increased levels of insulin in the horse's blood. Laminitis caused by increased levels of insulin can be managed successfully and is partially reversible if treated quickly. Dr. Andrew Van Epps from the University of Pennsylvania indicated at the Saratoga Equine Conference that he uses a new method for determining the treatment of the horses. On x-rays of the feet, you can see the dorsal hoof wall width on the front of the coffin bone and the loosened area or black area indicating less density between the hoof wall and the coffin bone. And this is the area of the lamellae that attach to coffin bone to the hoof wall. In laminitis, this area is enlarged due to inflammation. And Dr. Van Epps indicates if this zone is greater than 7.5 millimeters, this indicates laminitis is involved. This area can be monitored closely over the next several weeks with x-rays to determine if the horse is deteriorating or improving. Treating these acute cases involves cooling the hoof, restricting the diet, and medications to lower the blood insulin level. It is important to initially remove these horses from pasture and feed soaked hay at 1.5% of their body weight, which would be 15 pounds per day for a 1,000-pound horse. Sometimes medications are required to lower the insulin level like metformin or the new SGLT2I drugs. The goal is to keep the blood insulin level in the normal range, and since blood insulin levels peak two hours after a meal, this is the best time for sampling. Measuring blood adenopectin levels and treating if the levels are low can also be helpful. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What is the future of chronic wasting disease management? Jessica Domal explores that question in today's Wildlife Report. On our last show, we told you about a second-generation test designed to better detect chronic wasting disease in free-ranging and wild deer. Dr. Peter A. Larson, assistant professor in the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Minnesota, recently discussed the test with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. He also discussed what he thinks the future of CWD management is. And these are some ideas that I have after what I've seen over the years and what the technology can do. I do think in high-fence operations, that genetics is important. You have to breed less susceptible animals. However, no animal is resistant 100% to CWD. You you can't breed complete 100% resistance to disease. It's just that the disease moves more slowly through those animals. I do think that pre-movement live testing is important. It helps stabilize the industry. I grew up on a farm in South Dakota. I had cattle, so I, I understand some of those feelings on the farm side of things. The live animal testing, it has to be done with disposable tools. He said CWD prions, which can spread the disease, can be found on surgical equipment if it's used multiple times and not cleaned up properly. He said leveraging new technologies like the RT Quick test we told you about yesterday can help find CWD prions the infectious agents in different scenarios. We published a paper a few years ago showing that, you know, you can put the misfolded prions onto different surfaces. Let's say it's a stainless steel and you could come after amount of time with a swab and swab that surface and then run that in RT quick and determine whether or not the prions were there. Detecting the CWD prions in the environment is one thing, but how do you clean it up after you find that positive detection? Dr. Larson joins us tomorrow with more that. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded mostly lower Thursday due to increased softness ahead of the holiday weekend and limited trade volume. December live cattle up 52 cents to 170.55. February live cattle down $1.62 to 168.67. April live cattle down $1.65 to 172.17. After a rally on Wednesday, feeder cattle traded lower on Thursday as we await the release of a cattle on feed report on Friday. January feeder cattle down $2.35 to $2.2170. March feeder cattle down $2.37 to $2.2337. April feeder cattle down $2.07 to $2.2845. Analysts say there's been softness in the cattle market over the last couple of days due to uncertainty in feeder cattle supplies. Boxed beef was higher Thursday, choice up $2.28 to $291.41. Select rose 70 cents to $262.30. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Benny Cox, producers in Cargyle, sold sheep and goats on Tuesday. Benny? Last sale of the year. Uh, we sold 71.57. Slaughter nannies, it was pretty good on those, 90 to 164, but mostly 129 to 152. On the slaughter bellies, 170 to 275. They got to bring a dollar seventy in some instances before they can bring a dollar eighty. And why these people are letting them get so big, don't let them get so big. It's just, it just hadn't been a good deal. Wolf ear lambs, we did the few that we had, selling ration 240 to 272. On the lighter end of those hair sheep types going to slaughter, 230 to 340 with a few of the feeder type up to about 350. The heavier weights, those over 80 pounds from 180 all the way up to 310. Uh, slaughter use 75 to 110. You know, we've been seeing those things ring up around that 130 on the top side. Bulk of those 79 to 83. Kid goats, $2. We still get a lot of those plain things, you know, milk crosses and all that. $2 all the way up to 385 mostly 285 to 338 with some of those feeders up to 485 So we're going to have a cattle sale the, the 4th and our first sheep sale will be on the 9th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cock. They can call me at 325-234-4277. Uh, the office, and there won't be many people there, I don't think, in the next, uh, you know, two-week-ish, you know. Right. Uh, but it'd be 325-653-3371. And always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. I would mention this now. There's somebody there 24-7. Uh, I wouldn't suggest you bring anything in next week because the bill be pretty high. Uh, if you uh, actually get some help around the, you know, the first uh, or something like that and want to bring something in that weekend before the you know before the the fourth sale uh feel free to do that we're going to be there don't fret over a deal like that we'll 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 have somebody there 24 7 merry christmas we wish you a very happy and prosperous new year and neighbor the same to you from my wife claire and i and the good folks here at the texas farm bureau radio network you're listening to us right this second on texas ag today Lean hogs traded higher Thursday despite uncertainty about how much herd liquidation will develop in 2024. February lean hogs up 42 cents to 70.65. April lean hogs up 2 cents to 76.95. 
By the way, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is expected to release the quarterly hogs and pigs report on Friday, and that could give traders some direction. Block cheese fell 5.25 cents Thursday to $1.39. Barrel cheese fell 0.25 cents to $1.39. Dryway fell 0.75 cents to 37.25 cents. December Class 3 milk fell 4 cents to 1609 a hundredweight. January Class 3 milk down 12 cents to 1548 a hundredweight. Despite a report from USDA indicating stronger sales and marketing year shipments for cotton, cotton traded lower on Thursday, impacted by holiday position squaring and some grower fixation. March cotton down 8 points to 79.13. May cotton down 4 points to 80.02. July cotton down 13 points to 80.43. Despite the closure of two railways between the United States and Mexico, corn traded higher on Thursday thanks to good demand and Brazil receiving less rain than anticipated. March corn up two and three quarters to 472 and a half. May corn up two and three quarters to 485 and a quarter. July corn up two and a half to 495 even. March hard red wheat up one and three quarters to 626 and three quarters. May hard red wheat up a half to 630 and a quarter. July hard red wheat down one and a half to 633. January soybeans fell 11 Thursday to 1297 and a quarter. January natural gas up 12 cents Thursday to 257. February natural gas up 11 cents to 246. Crude oil fell on Thursday after Angola announced it plans to leave OPEC. Reuters says Angola leaving the organization raises questions about OPEC's efforts to support prices by limiting global supplies. February crude oil down 26 cents to 73.96 a barrel. March crude oil down 32 cents to 74.13 a barrel. The Dow up 174 points Thursday to 37,256. The S&P 500 up 30 points to 4,728. And the Nasdaq up 134 points to 14,912. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.